Welcome to the Fax Machine. My name is Dominique Jellin, and I am your host. This is a podcast where I get to have people nerd out about things that probably aren't common knowledge and see why those things matter. Spoiler alert, they don't. So, for the next half hour or so, sit back, relax. We're about to celebrate some marginally useful information. Welcome back. My guest today uh, hosts Nerd Rage, The Great Debates. You could catch that podcast or you could catch the podcast that he does with Christy Ono about wrestling called Ring Awareness. Ring Awareness. Yes. Please help me welcome Wonder Day. Hey. Hello. Hey, good to see you, Tom. Good to see you, too. Um, super excited to have you on. And you're going to talk to us about not quite Wonder Woman. No. But the creator of Wonder Woman. William Moulton Marston. Yes. So let's let's backtrack. Uh, for our readers who might know, let's say, Zilch, about the DC zilch. universe, about Wonder Woman in general, what, uh, what made you, I guess, start reading Wonder Woman? She's one of your favorite comics. I do love Wonder Woman, yes. Yes. She's one of my favorite heroes. Uh, I would say my earliest memories of Wonder Woman are Linda Carter on the TV show, the Wonder Woman TV show from oh. like the late 70s. It was in syndication when I was a kid, but yeah. I enjoyed it greatly. She was, you know, she was a very statuesque woman, Linda Carter. Uh, <laughs> just a just a tall, fit lady. Uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm into this. Yeah. Um, and like Wonder Woman, you know, she was on the Super Friends and she basically could do anything superman could do uh but she had a she had a jet she couldn't fly she just had a jet that was invisible <laughs> uh what a weird thing to have uh so strange uh well i guess if i could have an invisible jet i wouldn't say no no if yeah. somebody was like hey do you want this invisible jet in a lot of the comics now she can just fly they're like <laughs> why an invisible jet but i actually i will stand up for the invisible jet uh, okay and this is there's been a lot, a lot of like writers have come and gone and decided whether or not she should have an invisible jet. Cause some people do think it's silly. They're like, why can't she just fly? <laughs> but I think like based on, um, Marston and like who he was, one of the things that he was trying to show was that like a society of all women could have made these amazing technological advancements, like without men, uh-huh. like that was one of the reasons she had like this incredible stealth technology plane was that like these amazing lady scientists on paradise island had created it uh so i admire his i admire that thought process like the reasoning behind it yeah even if it is like i mean the visual of her and super friends flying it is just like her seated in clouds (laughs) with an outline and it is hilarious like it's pretty ridiculous that is great well i guess uh marvel kind of learned from their mistakes because now agents of shield also have an invisible quintet but they yeah you gotta get some good cloaking (laughs) yeah well okay so you brought up marsden yeah Um, marsden yes yes and in a quick wiki skim that I did. Ooh. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, uh, I guess my biggest takeaway was that he was a criminologist. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah. Well, in, he, I mean, in addition to he did a bunch of stuff. Uh, he studied psychology. He studied law. He believed that women were superior and destined to rule the world. Um, you know, he just had a lot of <laughs> very interesting things going on. Who knows how deeply he believed that? But he talked about it sometimes. He was like, "Oh, I think they're more compassionate and better at some things." And also, I'm going to marry multiple of them. Uh, <laughs> so you know, that's fun. Right? Was that? multiple at one. So he married Sadie Holloway. At the time, Harvard didn't admit women, so you took classes at Radcliffe, which was just taking classes at Harvard. You were, like, in the same classroom, apparently. Okay. Um. So him and, him and her were taking, 
like law classes together, but they were technically at separate schools because Harvard oh. wasn't for women. So she went to Radcliffe, I believe is what it was. Okay. And I, they'd known each other prior to that. They'd gone to like the same private school when they were young. Uh, and so he married her right after college and they had been dating pretty much throughout. And for a while, there was this other lady who he was working some job far away from her. And he was, I, I don't know if they had an open relationship or what, but it seemed like he started having an affair or a known affair. I don't know, a consensual out of the marriage <laughs> relationship, whatever, right. uh, with this other woman. And then that woman had said that she sort of became like a threesome with them occasionally and would like go visit. But she wasn't the uh, the other woman early on. I don't know her name. Uh, she was not a woman he ever like married in the term that in the way that we would think about it. She was just sort of someone who like came and hung out with them as a couple and then okay. would go away. Yeah. Uh, but for eventually, sure. but eventually he, uh, so his first wife is Sadie Holloway and his second wife is a woman named Olive Byrne and Olive and Sadie both lived with him. Uh, at the same time, uh, they passed Olive off as Sadie's younger sister Oh, weird. Uh, yeah, because you can't just have two wives. Uh, <laughs> but, like, he had children with both of them uh, in the same house and raised them as siblings. And, like, oh, wow. you know, basically, like, he just had two wives is what it was. Was it was it just kind of like, hey, in this house we do what we want? Or was there, like, a religious component to it? No, it was a very, hey, in this house we just kind of do what we want. Actually, after he died, the two of them lived together, like, into the 1980s until they both died. Like... I guess maybe it's not right to call them a lesbian couple because they were bisexual women, but they were in a lesbian relationship. Relationship, yeah. Whereas so before they, was, they were in a polyamorous, a polyamorous, kinda. and now they were just like, nope, just us gals <laughs> being gal pals. <laughs> That's what they gals being pals, gals being pals, also still having sex. Um, I'm gonna have to explain gal pals in the epilogue for my straight <laughs> listeners who don't. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, um, but but it seems like he was a, a, a guy who wore many hats, right? So, like, he finishes law school. Is he writing Wonder Woman, like, while he's in law school? Is this inspired by his, like, thruple marriage? Are we... Are it we... is definitely a lot. Um, so, Olive uh, always wore bracelets. Uh, always. Oh. And they, I think they uh, may have just been permanently attached to her. She might have just actually what? had them. Yeah, they were, like, things that she... In the play I saw, The Lasso <laughs> of Truth, which is... It's basically a play that takes place in two timelines. One, like, in the 90s with a woman who grew up on Linda Carter Wonder Woman in the 70s uh, okay. trying to find the first issue of Sensation Comics. And then the other is actually, I think, the more interesting half of the play. I could have just had it be a play on itself, but it was a good play overall. Um, but the the half that I thought was better was sort of about the relationship between Olive and uh, Sadie. Oh, okay. Um, and it, st- it took, you know, it looked at them and William and what the relationship between the three of them was and... So, like, the bracelets in the play were something that she always wore. Uh, okay. And that were, that were actually, like, sort of just permanently on her. Uh, okay, so she always wore them. She didn't have them, like, fused with her skin. No, they were not fused <laughs> to her skin, but they also weren't particularly easy to remove. I don't know I why gathered. that's exact. That's precisely where my brain went immediately. You were like, she never, whatever you said. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, she had it, like, surgically implanted. No. Okay. That did not happen. <laughs> uh, and no, he did not write Wonder Woman while he was in school. Um, although some of the stuff is based off of stuff from school. Ooh, like what? Uh, Dr. Psycho, he's one of the villains, is based off of this uh, German professor he worked with who was, by all counts, brilliant, but also very sexist. Uh, and he became... Shocking! At Harvard? At Harvard. At in a the... time when... No, in, the, in like the 1910s, yeah. In the 1910s? <laughs> what you say? Uh, yeah. So he I heard in... sexism didn't exist back then. I mean, you know, uh, I was about to just... 
spew a litany of terrible things. And I'm like, oh, you're not a hack. Don't do that. Be better than that. Dude. Be better than that. <sighs> so Dr. Psycho is based off of a German professor that he did not like. He actually got along with him well. He was just like, he found his sex- sexist views like abhorrent. But in other regards, he respected him very much. And mm. had like a good body of work. And there's like some quotes from the professor, like sort of about women, women and, you know, like what a woman's role in society was. And even like within that, he'll, he gives like caveats to say that like, there are some women who are brilliant scientists. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, but you're everything else you're saying is still really sexist. <laughs> like, it's great that you threw a caveat in there. Uh, Doesn't count. D- it's yeah, not good enough, buddy. So that guy was sort of based on Dr. Psycho. Ooh, who else? Um, oh, so uh, Dr. Poison's big thing. This wasn't a, a character, but uh, he tried to kill himself uh, early in his college career. I think his freshman year. Um, or he was going to kill himself. He wrote about it, and he was going to use cyanide, which smells like almonds. Uh, oh, I did fun not fact know about that. Cyanide. There you go. And Doctor Poison, one of the villains, the one who was the woman with the the mask in, in the Wonder Woman the movie, movie. Yes. that with um, Gal Gadot. For those who saw it, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, who was not a Doctor Poison was not a woman in the original comics. Um, okay. I believe that Doctor Poison has since been a woman in the comics, but in the initial run, not a woman, a man. Uh, her whole thing was a cyanide bomb. So it was like the the bomb that she was creating oh. was the, like the very thing he had tried to kill himself with. And that's also the poison that uh, is used to... Dr. Jekyll takes it so that Mr. Hyde doesn't come out. Like that's what he kills himself oh. with cyanide too. And that was like one of the stories he liked. And it's all very literary. He's very... It's very like frou-frou <laughs> in his... Yeah, even in a his good suicide way. attempt is pretty fucking nerdy. <laughs> so when exactly... So he's in... He's at Harvard in the early 1900s. When does he start writing Wonder Woman? Uh, Wonder Woman makes her debut in 1941. A lot of the big heroes we love uh, showed up in the 1940s, especially the DC ones. Yeah. And so I guess for those who don't know, if we could get some context for comics in general, largely, and I'm going to look up the names, but comic books, I think, often credited with two artists who immigrated here to escape the Holocaust. Jerry Schuster and uh, Joel Spiegel, I believe, are their names. There Uh, we go. Looking at the people who created Superman, specifically. Yes. uh, And a lot of early comic book artists and writers were Jewish. Um, And Superman himself is just, like, such an obvious, like, Jewish allegory uh, that I get mad when people don't see it. Uh, (laughs) When people are like, Superman wasn't political, and you're like, he's literally a refugee. He's literally a refugee of a people who no longer have a home country to go to, (laughs) who has trying to, like, aspire to this American ideal of, like, the Midwestern heartland. Like, it is... Stop it. It it is (laughs) such a, like, of that era Jewish aspirational story that, like, to miss it is... It's just dumb. Like you right. just and his, you Cal- lack- his name is Kalel, which I forget what tra- what that translates to in Hebrew, but it's like an actual yeah. Okay. And there's a bunch of stuff like that. Like the thing is obviously supposed to be a golem. Uh, like he's just a you know a powerful yeah. protective monster of rock. Like there's just a bunch of stuff. So so anyway, comic wh- books are for Jews. <laughs> Continuing on. <laughs> so Wonder Woman comes out of like this this kind of zeitgeist moment. Is there, oh yeah, um, and I, it's worth noting that his wives were both like suffragists who fought for the right to vote. Um, his wife Olive, uh, the younger of the two, was uh, Margaret Sanger's niece. Uh, oh. Margaret Sanger of I believe creating Planned Parenthood or heavily in, Parenthood, establ- yeah. heavily involved in the creation of that. So yeah. that she was Margaret Sanger's niece. Interesting. Um, she was like the seventh of seven babies and. <laughs> Her parents, like, couldn't handle taking care of her, and there was just a bunch of stuff. There's this thing from her memoir that she wrote that was never published. 
it's the story about her drunk dad coming home and she as a baby wouldn't stop crying and her dad was drunk and just threw her out in the snow and then her mom had to go get her. Oh my God. Like, and I was like, this is terrifying. Um, and then her mom at some point runs off and she ends up getting left with some grandparents who then die. And then like she goes into an orphanage, but I think it ends up being like her older sister who's like now the nanny or governess or oh, maid God. or something at, at the Abbott household. So her, her full name is like, <laughs> Mary Olive Abbott Johnson Byrne like she just gets all these names from all the very because oh, you God. pick up the name of whatever household you were in basically yeah, it's like, like all her names are different chapters yeah but Olive Byrne is the short version of her name got it uh, so, so um, but they were both suffragists so they were very involved in getting women the right to vote and all that kind of stuff okay uh, and that was you know one of Wonder Woman's big big things was like equality for women and and Marston designed her uh, to be able to go toe to toe with Superman. Like that was right. One of the points was that like she could be equal to Superman. She could be equal to Batman. She could be equal to Aquaman. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Jason Momoa, you're very handsome. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, I don't want anybody leaving hate emerging. comments on this episode. <laughs> uh, Aquaman. I, I. It's also. I feel like it's a little tired to make fun of Aquaman. I like him. I think he's interesting. I just didn't. Uh, in more recent years, they've made him kind of like broody, and I'm like, don't make weird fish guy broody. Come on. <laughs> he doesn't get to brood that much. He. He's. He's weird fish Superman. Just let him have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah you only need one broody one yeah. or two broody folks yeah. per you know you got batman he's sad enough for everybody yeah yeah <laughs> let batman brood <laughs> he even broods too much <laughs> i mean i love i am admittedly a fan of some of like the stupid shit in comic books People that's are like, fair man who's your favorite villain and i'm like i really like modok who's just a giant floating head with tiny baby arms <laughs> like i'm like yeah let's do that nice um, Okay, so Marsden, uh, Marston, Marston. Yeah, I was yeah. just, th- I was like, it's not, it's not with a D, it's with a T. Okay, yeah, Marsten uh, is. Uh, by the time that he starts writing Wonder Woman, has he like given up on law? What's happening in his life? Do we know? Dude has failed a lot at this juncture in his life. He's had multiple businesses have failed, including like a law firm, like a fabric or textiles company mm-hmm. of some sort that had gone into uh, bankruptcy. Uh, that he actually ended up getting sued for. And it was funny because he's also at the whole, throughout all of this, really pushing to get the lie detector test to be entered into court cases uh, because he invented it uh, and is, you know, one of the major inventors of what would become the lie lie detector test where you use, like, blood pressure and all that stuff. There's a a quote from one of the professors who he ended up working on the study with to sort of, like, be like, oh, does this work? Versus, like, he seems like a really great guy. I'm worried that in his eagerness uh, to get his research done, he's, like, cutting some corners, mm. uh, which I think this is speculation on my part. I'm like, that definitely happened. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, also there's, like, some stuff where you look at, like, old studies of the lie detector from when he was pushing it, and he would... is He attributed people who weren't him not having as good of results with it to basically them not being him. Uh, oh, that's uh, so, weird and unscientific. yeah. And, but I mean, it's still like he was still getting even with other people, he was still getting pretty good results. Yeah. The lie detector also has since sort of been revealed to be a little bit not not as reliable as we once thought it was. Right. We can we have people who can beat lie detector tests and such. Yeah. So is that so he's I imagine you would need a medical background to develop something like the lie detector test or do you because I mean, he's definitely not Googling shit. It's, it's like 1930s. Yeah, I believe that that came from his like psychology studies. Okay. Uh, he had a degree in 
law, psychology, and maybe something else. <laughs> uh, but And psychology was like a pretty new field at the time, too. Even. Right. So that was, you know, a big deal. And then he was... Uh, I don't know if professor is the right word, but he he led labs at Harvard and stuff like that. I guess that means he was a professor if he was leading yeah, like labs or, and lectures or like and a stuff. TA, but yeah, probably something. still a professor. Yeah, yeah. So at any rate, during one of the, sort of the big pushes, there was this case, Fry versus whatever the hell it was, mm-hmm. uh, the Fry case. The Fry case. Yeah, he was really doing a push to get the lie detector entered as court evidence because he thought it would exonerate Fry. But while all of this is going on, oh, and the two people who are trying Fry are like students of his, basically, like people who had been students of his, uh, who are now lawyers. And while that was happening, the fabric company was going under and he was getting sued because he had basically made like some purchases knowing he couldn't back them up like Mm. financially. So they were like fraudulent purchases, basically. Yeah. Um, So there was like all these headlines that were like, Creator of lie detector on charge up on charges of fraud. Like uh, it was just a big fat mess oh, for him. What a shit show. Um, but yeah, and I mean that's it's interesting because that's like why Wonder Woman has a lasso that makes people tell the truth is because that was like one of his big pushes. And like in a lot of old Wonder Woman comics, like people take lie detector tests. Like he was very much. <laughs> trying to push his own invention into the mind of popular culture. Yeah. Uh, And obviously succeeded because we all know what a lie detector test is now. And they've been used in court cases. And even now that they're not viewed as as reliable, like they're still... There's still a good litmus test. There's still some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was reading about one of the studies where like someone else had done something and he was doing studies and he was like banging out like 96% accuracy. And then someone else did one that was like... Uh, it was one of the people who, you know, weren't him that he's like, well, it wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> was like 73% or something, which is still like pretty high. Like not enough Three that I would four. be like, <laughs> not enough that I'd be like, oh, that's great. But I'm like, well, I guess it's kind of useful. Like to yeah. look at odds. Well, I don't know. Of, like if I was losing a game three to four, I'd be like three out of four ain't bad. Yeah. But if I was winning by that much, I'd be like, fuck you. So yeah. I could see why people would feel yeah. like this yeah, isn't Yeah, I real. get it. Not, maybe not the best, the lead. <laughs> uh, but something he certainly believed passionately in and was trying to refine and you know yeah. as a as a tool for the criminal justice system uh he you know wanted to look at the the physiology of what all that was and hmm. was he he mostly studied law to try and get the lie detector test into court so that was the thing that people said that was so like funny. that was one of the he wanted to like learn about evidence and how what could be admissible and like had like that was one of the big reasons he studied law huh um, and his wife was a better law student than him. Well, I can't say that's surprising, <laughs> but sure, sure, sure. Also, her reasons probably had more to do with wanting to do law. Um, <laughs> so. She wasn't hawking her invention to the... Yeah. Well, that's funny. So... <laughs> Whatever. It was mm-hmm. hard for her to be a lawyer because uh, she was a woman and it was the 1910s. Yeah, uh, man. Turns out didn't didn't go great. Um, Shocking. So, as he... While he's writing Wonder Woman and this is getting published, is he experiencing success while this is happening? Or is this kind of like once he's dead, people are like, hey, you know, those comics were actually pretty good. Or, you know, no, Wonder Woman was very popular. On okay. release. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman, it, I mean, has always been uh, a very popular comic. It's a big deal. At that point in time, uh, you look at like detective comics, which is what uh, Batman sprung from. Mm-hmm. Uh, action comics then spun off into Superman. And then uh, sensation comics is what Wonder Woman sprung from. Okay. Um, and so for a comic book character to spin out of their sort of like generalized title and either uh, 
you know, one of two, one of two things is a good marker for success. Either that character just takes over that whole title, which mm-hmm. is kind of what Batman did with detective comics. Although he would later also get his own run. Uh, and then action comics, you know, there would also just be a Superman title after that. And then like wonder woman sensation comics, wonder woman just got her own comic book. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she was a very successful comic book character. Um, and it was a big deal. And, you know, you look at just sort of the love so many people and especially women like have for Wonder Woman is like a fond memory of like this like powerful figure that they could, you know, pretend to be and play at being growing up. Uh, she was a big deal then and now. Uh, yeah. And the Wonder Woman movie did great at the box office. Yeah, it did. Uh, it's certainly the best thing DC has produced. And I would venture to say it's better than a lot of the Marvel movies were. <laughs> I'm going to have that opinion. You can feel however you want no, to. No, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on the Marvel. Marvel is like breaking my heart slowly but surely and it's totally fine it's fine it's not a big deal but it's also Uh, but yeah wonder woman was great and the wonder woman tv show was great like she's uh she's a beloved character you know certainly a feminist and a suffragist icon as it were and one that is whose roots are her roots are so deeply tied to feminism that you can't separate that from her Um, right nor can you entirely separate the weird kinky sex element uh, from Wonder Woman, uh, which I feel like has been sort of... Uh, Do tell. <laughs> so here's the deal. Marston and his wives were definitely some kinky people. Uh, that is what is going on. One of the things in early Wonder Woman comics, there is a lot of bondage. Uh, one of really? the only... Oh, yeah. Like, uh, that's how people are subdued constantly. Like, there's... I guess the it's, lasso of truth, huh? And the lasso of truth is there, and she's got those manacles that she wears all the time. The bracelets are like very S. <laughs> you looking. told me those were cuffs. Uh, I guess they still and are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and one of the only ways she can lose her power in the early comic book is if she is somehow bound by a man. Like that's oh. one of the ways she becomes powerless. Uh, huh. Uh, and there is just so much like kinky undertones, and there's a lot of like Etta Candy would spank people, uh, and there's like is some that a scenes. villain? Yeah, uh, okay. she's a villain slash ally depending on the times she was okay. in that british comedian played her in the wonder woman movie oh i yeah. know who you're talking yeah. about yeah um, okay i was ha- i actually really i was very happy that etta was represented uh, <laughs> in that movie i think she is a charming character who deserved to be in the film in some way <laughs> and maybe it would have been a little difficult to fit her into the storyline and the it, as the like I'm a weird villain that eats lots of candy. I'm a chubby girl who's kind of mean. Like, that might have not felt in place in the movie. But I think if you're going to make a 1940s Wonder Woman, there has to be some appearance of Etta Candy in it. And I thought they handled it very well. And the actress who did it just captured the sort of silliness of what that character was so well. She was, I think, she was my favorite part of that movie. She was so charming. Because there were, there were so many parts... Uh, uh. God, you remember when they were doing the montage where like, oh, we have to make Gal Gadot not look like Gal Gadot. And then she puts on glasses and then Etta's like, oh, yeah, nobody can see she's gorgeous now. Like, <laughs> which yes. I think was also a great nod to like the rash of 90s movies that were like, put contacts on. It's a makeover. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen she's all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. So Etta Candy. um, Sorry. Yeah. So you, so, and there's you're lots of spanking, about the- and, there's, and there's like there's literal scenes of Wonder Woman sort of like tied up and like bent over, like winking off the page. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, this is the kinkiest shit. <laughs> All right. So she's 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 into spanking and bondage and yeah, yeah she ties up her foes all the time. <laughs> just a lot. I guess a lot, I never attributed that to kink. 
I just you know man the way the way it's drawn is it's just, it's just, i think it's really it's really a lot of that like wink wink nudge nudge i can get out of this hmm. uh, and then you like look at what the relationship he had with uh, the two you know women who also very closely shaped who wonder woman would be right uh and they were just like you know a polyamorous uh, thruple i guess thruple. having kinky sex uh, and having a good time Good for them. Yeah. Uh, that's what I say. And to have that, you know, and that kind of- and that's like, yeah, I think it's it's definitely if you consider, you know, what literary critique is, you definitely should be looking at what the lives of these people were. Uh, and also, there's this old drawing where Wonder Woman is breaking the chains that are around her and the things that she's shackling off uh, include like men's superiority and prudery is one of the things that oh. she's shaking off, uh, which I think is fascinating. Uh, so the concept of Wonder Woman is, in fact, that she is sexually liberated. And some authors, uh, I will say Gail Simone has definitely mentioned it. Gail Simone in one of her comics brought up uh, Amazonian uh, courting rituals. And someone was like, isn't it all women? And she's and Wonder Woman was like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I don't. I don't know if she has been established as canon bisexual or not, but I feel like that may have happened at some um, point, or at least it's been hinted at. My Tumblr dash says she is. Yeah, uh, I think but, she is. <laughs> but it also just wouldn't make sense to be from where she's from. Yeah, and... the Society of Ladies, to have never tried it? Come on. <laughs> and they're all very tall and attractive and fit. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> If an you're gonna, island full of warriors. An island full of It's Zenas. like living, living just, on the Olympic Village, but just with the female athletes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, come why on, aren't you having lesbian sex at that juncture? <laughs> I'm having lesbian sex if I live on that island. I don't know. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, and his and the inspiration for Wonder Woman is these two women who just were a couple for another... Because he died... I think 20 or 30 years before them. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he died in, I want to say, the the 50s or 60s, and then they were still alive well into the 80s. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, I feel like I've learned a lot about William Moulton, Mars 10. Yes. And his wives, Sadie Holloway and Olive Byrne. Yes. And, yeah. And, and a little bit about Wonder Woman. And we're not here to king shame Wonder Woman. She's, you know. She's a lady having some fun. There we go. And <laughs> kick it ass. All right. If if people want to follow up with you or follow you online, where can they find you? Uh, I am at Team Wonder Dave on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook.com slash Team Wonder Dave if you want to like me there. Oh. Yay. Thank so, you so much. Yeah. Wonder Dave. Pew, 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 pew. pew, pew, pew Let's pew. go have some fucking garlic knots and cheese bread. Yeah. yeah. Peace. Not to make you totally jealous, but Wonder Dave and I had ordered a pizza before we started talking, and then the pizza got there, and so we were like, fuck this, we're done with this interview, we gotta get our nom on. Mm, it was really good. Garlic knots, always a good go-to. Um, all right, but I'm actually here to, to make some corrections, to provide some supplemental information. Hope you're into Wonder Woman now, if you weren't before, and if not, maybe you just, just have some more useless knowledge. That's what this is about, so uh, some corrections for you. First off, Sadie Holloway did not go to Radcliffe. Uh, She got her bachelor's from Mount Holyoke, and she'd later attend Boston University School of Law. She did complete her degree in 1918, so they were in the same 
graduating class, uh, but she didn't attend Radcliffe. Um, however, Radcliffe was indeed the women's counterpart to Harvard. Um, and here's your fun fact. In 1999, Radcliffe became absorbed into the Harvard University system, and it now houses the Schlesinger Library on the history of women in America. So there we go. Um, the mystery woman that Wonder Dave alluded to but couldn't remember the name of her name is Marjorie Wilkes Huntley, H-U-N-T-L-E-Y. Not tons of information about her out there, to be honest. Um, The little bit that I did find suggests that it was another kind of open poly relationship. Uh, So Marston originally met Huntley while working with World War I veterans who were experiencing PTSD. Uh, That's definitely not what they called it at the time. I think they called it shell-shocked. And it looks like she was also with Olive Byrne and Sadie Holloway, um, even though she didn't live with them. And apparently nobody knows where she lived when she wasn't with them. So that's really interesting. Um, Now, uh, there was a comment about gal pals. I think most people get it. But just so you know, uh, for a while, and I think it still continues, uh, a lot of like tabloid-esque and celebrity magazine articles, um, when they do see queer women, they'll they'll still like allude to a friendship um, in a in a way. So like there was this one photo of Michelle Rodriguez with Clara Delevingne, and then they were like, "Oh, look at these gals, Th- look at these gal pals just hanging out." You know, uh, look at these friends, and like half the time it's like photos of celebrities holding hands or like making out, and they're just like, "Yeah, they're just they're just friends." Um, and so it's just kind of been this like running online joke. Um, I did want to talk about Dr. Psycho because the academic who inspired him um, was uh, Marston's undergraduate advisor. It was a German-American psychologist named Hugo Munsterberg. Uh, Literally sounds like a villain or a cheese. I don't know. Um, So that dude, he was president of the APA for a while, and he would often go back and forth between Harvard and the University of Berlin. Um, and so there we go. Now he goes by Dr. Psycho. There was also like a metaphysical element to both the actual man and the, um, the, the cartoon character. So good to know. Um, I did want to note, uh, that we were talking about Superman's Kryptonian name, which is Kal-El. That's K-A-L hyphen E-L. Uh, so the suffix E-L in Hebrew means God. And the generally accepted definition, therefore, of Kal-El means voice of God. So there's, you know, uh, there's just a lot there when you look at the similarities, again, between Superman and and uh, people who are Jewish. And, um, you know, there's the whole thing about being put into a vessel, not unlike Moses's basket. I mean, just like, there's a lot. All right. So if anybody tries to tell you, like, get my politics out of out of my comic books, like, they're wrong. Um, (laughs) So just good to know. Uh, Other fun facts. If you wanted to look it up, Marston's fabric company was called United Dress Goods. And in 1922, that's when he was arrested for hiding assets, and eventually the charges were dropped. But it was definitely during the time of the case that we alluded to. We called it the Fry case. It is Fry versus United States, and that's what made certain things admissible in the court of law. Um, Fry was convicted of murder that he'd confessed to, and then he rescinded his confession, and then he took this lie detector test, and it helped him out. Um, So that's a good fun fact. Um, When we were talking about Marvel, obviously that excludes Black Panther. I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because we all know that Black Panther's the best one, and it's a shame that they have to waste their time and lose resources. I'm not going to talk about Infinity War, because then this will just be a whole 
other thing, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> and the last note is that we were talking about the British actor who played Etta Candy, and her name is Lucy Davis. She was also in Shaun of the Dead uh, and the UK version of The Office. So there you go. Those are all your facts. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Facts Machine. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.